Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Weekly Call. We've got an interesting episode here for you this morning where John Ammer and I mainly focus on two different topics. We actually start off with a discussion um, of us recalling the few times that we had been proposed to join a few MLMs, uh, multi-level marketing companies that we all recommend you highly, you know, you, you really try to stay away from, but there are some funny some funny recounts of, of the propositions we were offered and, and I think things that we are all baited with online from time to time um, and follow that up with a really what I think is a really groundbreaking debate when it comes to starting a new business around the idea of do you need to be an expert in the field that you decide to start your business in and you know there was some really great points brought up around how if you do decide to join a business or join a market and start a business in a market that you already know really well, you naturally expose yourself to the risk of not being able to hire and recruit as well as you would have in terms of effort just because you feel like you know how to do everything. And if you were to join a market that you didn't have any experience in and you were very scared and anxious about your ability to go and produce and be a top performer in your market, in your geographic area, you would likely put a lot more time, effort, and focus into recruiting top talent in your business. So we kind of talk about how joining a market that you don't have experience in, how that could be advantageous, and all these different outcomes that you should be aware of in terms of when you're thinking of starting a business in the future. So without further ado, please sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of The Weekly Call. So we can turn on the stress response just by thought alone. We can think about our problems and turn on those chemicals. That means then our thoughts could make us sick. So if it's possible that our thoughts could make us sick, is it possible then our thoughts could make us well? The answer is absolutely yes. You're listening to the Weekly Call Podcast with Austin, Ammer, and John. Welcome. It's enormously important that you do have the right friends. If they make you a better person than you otherwise would be, that's the ultimate gift. It deals for the most part with success. It deals with people who you started your life off with and what success does to them. People look at you strange saying you changed, like you worked that hard to stay the same, like you're doing all this for a reason. Remind yourself, this fight that you're in, this is what will make you stronger. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of The Weekly Call. We've got myself, Austin, in Elmer, Quebec, got John out in Clona, BC, and Ammer. Are you back in Toronto? I am, I am. You're we, back. We, we, we back home, baby. When did you get Obertokes. back? Obertokes. Uh, I got back. Obertokes. <laughs> <laughs> I got back yesterday at 9 o'clock. It was pretty dope. Yo. Came back to a lot of snow. I love the snow. So I love warm weather. I love the snow. What's so it like after being away for a month, man? Like on a trip? It was weird, man. It was weird. Like driving back from the airport, because like you wake up in Austin and you've been in Austin for a month. And then, yeah, yeah. And then you and then you go to the plane and then you just kind of sleep on a plane, and then you wake up and then similar looking highways, similar looking signs, similar people, similar cars, similar roads. But there's snow everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And you guys have snow like, out east? Yeah. Oh yeah, there's snow on the floor, like right now. 
on yeah. the floor. <laughs> it's on the floor. Really? It's there's on the snow floor in the floor of my apartment. Yeah. I left my door open. There's snow on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Dude, do you say four instead of ground? No, no, even that. Like I did that on purpose. Yeah, because it's funny. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was like, damn! If that's a Toronto thing, this is gonna be that's gonna be hilarious. No, no, no. That's no, like no. Americans saying everything's on the roof, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, there's no ceiling. Yeah, what, there's what no ceiling. ceiling. There's just roof. <laughs> yeah, just on the roof. Can you paint the roof? <laughs> like you get a I've roof been washing, I've been It's like no, sorry, we only do painting. Yeah, no, I want to paint the roof. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's yeah, these guys who do uh, <clears throat> like some of the best roofing tutorial guys, especially for metal roofing. They're from this from the south. Rough in uh, in the U.S. I don't know. Roof, roof, roof. On the roof, but they're they're roofers. Roofers. What state? Roofers. Probably Carolina. I have no one idea. One of the Carolinas. So I couldn't guess. Mm. Probably somewhere near the Florida Georgia line. Um. Yeah, I was actually telling this funny story recently. That given that we're talking about people from the south, um, we were chatting with uh with my family about times that we were using fake IDs. And and uh, a couple of my friends in Sejap went to the Kentucky Derby, um, with with uh, when we were in college, and and they brought their Quebec IDs, and you hand a Quebec ID to a state trooper, and you know, in in Kentucky, and they're like, they they've never seen this before. A Quebec ID, by the way, for those of you from Quebec, you know, Quebec has unique IDs, like the birthdays where the expiry date is. It's actually not like a very conducive system and everything's in french right so all the numbers are backwards and everything's written in french it's weird so at the top of your license when you have a when you have a probationary license it's um permis probatoire which means probationary license but the state trooper looked at my friend he was like now sir what in the hell is a permis probatoire okay you can't (laughs) You can't, you can't hand me this type of crap. I'm not gonna take it. Like you know, anything is you just assume it's a fake ID, but it's a totally legitimate ID. Um, One of the added to the list of advantages of being Permis from Quebec. Oh yeah, <laughs> permit the advantage. Perpetuar. Permis How do you say it in French? Yeah. It's funny. It's fucking hilarious. But yo, I actually wanted to bring up this topic with you guys. What's going on? For man? a rare, a rare time, I had a thought this week. And I was <laughs> like, I was like, I gotta write this down. Otherwise, it's just Austin's just comatose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, sh- I should have said week. that differently. Uh. <laughs> I don't have thoughts rarely. I do write them down about the podcast rarely because we usually try and keep this very casual and not write a script. And I don't think this is a script. It's just something I wanted to mention. Yeah, another um, advantage of being from Quebec. Yeah. I'm just roasting um, people from Quebec because I so love them. I actually realized that um, I was having trouble. Uh, <laughs> <clears throat> no, no, I was just having, going. Yeah. Um, I was having a discussion with a few people, um, <laughs> like in different scenarios. This just popped up two or three times this week, and it was around the idea. And these are two different people that own businesses and in different fields that I'm in. And we were talking about the idea of asking for referrals in in any way, really, like whether it's asking referrals for to get more clients, asking for referrals to to hire more employees, to find more talent for your business. There's just like this general sentiment around asking people things, asking people for things that have to do with your business. It's a, it's kind of weird, but like people tend to not like going, hey, 
do you know people that need painting, roofing, they need a job. They don't want to be that person that's constantly speaking of those things, like uh, with their friend group, always asking their friend group, hey, do you know anyone that would be interested in working with me? These types of questions that you always ask as a business owner to try and grow your team. And these two people were saying they hadn't really been doing that enough because they feel like they're not landing authentically. They're not being perceived well because it feels like they're just asking people for things with nothing in return. And so I realized, I'm like, wow, why why is that so difficult? Um, And I think I've solved it and I wanted to know what you guys think. So I- I, You know what's so funny? I built an SOP around this that's in TradeArc that I've included because this is something I want to hear what you got. Let's see if I'm right. So I think the ease of which that not even necessarily take it out of business, asking people for things that benefit you more than them. It's always easier to ask people of things when you know you're going to provide more value, right? So it's like, it's a very big difference for me just like calling you up, Amber, and be like, can I sleep at your house for a week because I'm coming to Toronto for nothing in return? I don't even want to buy you dinner. Like I just, you know want to like, I don't even want to pay you for very much. I just want to stay at your place. Like I would feel bad having to ask that question versus if I could like do something really nice for you while I'm there to kind of make, you know, it's just, if you can find out how your request of someone else is actually providing them more value than you, you have no, no problem doing it. In fact, you do it more because you feel like you're actually delivering something better to them than you would get if they referred you someone. So like, for example, it, it, with regards to this one person, we'd essentially found out that he was looking to hire a sales rep for next year. And he had had a commitment to talk to 10 people and he only talked to three. And so we were figuring out why he didn't like doing it. And it's because he just felt like he was being a broken record, asking people like these, the same question over and over. Hey, do you know anyone? Do you know anyone? Do you know anyone? But at the end of the day, we found out that he just was feeling like he was a burden on the conversation, especially on them. So he didn't identify though that he was actually going to be providing that person and their friend with way more value than he would be getting in return. And he didn't see that, right? Because he's actually having a conversation with a friend that he cares about to offer him or someone in their network and the opportunity to work with a business that's going to do over a million dollars in revenue next year and grow significantly. It's like that is not a very common conversation that people get to have, let alone that is initiated for them. Right. And so if you truly believe Mm. that you're walking around having the opportunity, giving people the opportunity to actually work with you, not from an egotistic or condescending standpoint, because it is a real opportunity to work with somebody that's young, you know, in business, trying to prove themselves, trying to hit their goals. Right. That's a great opportunity to be asked that question. But when you truly believe that it is a good opportunity for anyone that you're talking to about it, you actually want to do it more. You don't just do it. I would say there's there's some limitations to that, of course, because some people actually like that 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 um that resistance that they that they face when they go to reach out for referrals and things like that, that actually might be grounded in in fact, right? Like in your friend's situation, it sounds like, oh yeah, like he's actually gonna offer more value, right? I would say most MLMs fall into the camp of very little to no value. I was I was so, about to mention MLMs, right? Yeah. Now. So yeah. I would say there's limitations to that model, but certainly if you actually legitimately, okay, not only because I wouldn't say it's that you believe that you're gonna you're, offer more value, yeah, you're but doing. if you actually are going to, because because that's the whole MLM thing where it's like, 
you know, you're doing your friends a favor. It's like, no, no, guys, let's let's get real here. We're not we're not doing anyone a favor. I don't need any more overpriced fucking you know protein powder or anything like that. Or shampoo. And yeah, I, I already soap. have toothpaste, man. Colgate's been around for a long time. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't need okay, skincare, <laughs> gummies. It's like, dude, I like three ply toilet paper, not one ply. Okay, Ener- like, energy <laughs> drinks, verve. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Point yeah, so, thing, though, I think there's limitations to it, but I agree with what you're saying. I think that the moment you can actually, you know, realize, okay, hold on, what am I actually offering? Okay, this is actually like, if I was on the receiving end of this, how would I feel? You know. But yeah, cool. human human nature obviously limits that to some degree. What yeah. do you think, Emmer? Yeah, so I actually agree with you that this makes a lot of sense and that your process, when you're starting out, you need to have that um, positive belief that you will be providing some sort of value. And here, I'll, I'll share a screen here so you can see what I'm seeing. But, you know, one of the main ways you can build business is through just networking. And I wrote this little instruction here and I'll just read it. With anything in life, when you are making a request of another person, like helping your business, you need to make sure the person you interact with are actually touched, moved, and inspired with a vision that you have. Without this component, people will feel like they are obligated to help you rather than wanting to help you. So any request that you make can really occur like a you should make appear as an opportunity as it is in another person's world. And this happens if they're enrolled. So how do you enroll somebody? Enrollment really comes, and this is from my personal opinion, when you are putting yourself on the line for something. Mm. So it's not supposed to be comfortable. It's, there's, there's really a difference. It's, it's more alive. Like there's, there's a difference between being comfortable and being alive. And it's about taking a chance and showing people a vulnerable side of you. Because whenever you share about what you're up to, you're vulnerable to being criticized. So vulnerability is an important ingredient. And then I have a step-by-step system where step one, do what you do, what you just said, Austin, which is enter the conversation with a positive context that the other side wants to hear what you're up to. Ask how they have been, what they've been up to. And you have to ask this genuinely because you actually have to be genuinely interested in this other person. And then they're going to ask you what you're up to. And then you're just going to be honest with them. So be like, hey, man, like I've been having, you want to share some struggles, barriers, and obstacles that you had gone through to get to this point and how despite these struggles, you still continue to run the business. So every person who started a business had to go through a struggle personally, financially, mentally, had to quit a job, might have gone into debt, maybe received criticism from loved ones, experienced self-doubt. Share that. Not a lot of people talk about that stuff and vulnerable. And then you want to share like, why do you think you're going to be a better business? Why you started this business? And then ask if they'll be willing to help out. And it's like, hey, are you able to help out? And if they say no, then that's it. And they say, oh, well, thanks. Do you have any feedback for me? Right? And then the people who do want to help out, they'll say, yes, how can I help out? So this is like a rough SOP um, of kind of what I found really worked for my life. And has helped me kind of enroll a lot of people and a lot of stuff in my life. What did you think about that? I think the only thing I wasn't doing was um, really looking at the the struggle component, uh, and also, jeez, what's going on here? My screen won't let me look at. 
There we go. And then looking at, you know, sharing what separates me from other, well, I guess I, I was in a way, but I, it wasn't yeah. that direct, but yeah. And then the vi- the vision and the struggle. Yeah. Yeah. I find like when you just talk about these things, like you're just being real. Like somebody's like, yeah. Oh, you know, Austin, what are you up to? You'd be like, Oh man, like, you know, I just finished with student works kind of nervous about the future, kind of nervous about making the right decision. I chose to still remain in a franchise system and I see better opportunity out of all things. It's roofing. Right. So I've um, gotten some criticism from people close to me. I've, had to say goodbye to a lot of close relationships, but man, I really do see a future for this company and I see a future for where I am at. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like here's the vision. Here is what I think makes us separate. And here is, you know, the biggest obstacle I'm facing now is like finding people to kind of run these businesses. Um, yeah. do you, by you know, like, it, would you be willing to help me out if, if the opportunity came up? And some people's like, yeah, well, how can I help out? It's like, well, there's a couple of ways, but I guess the easiest one would be like, do you know anybody who's interested in running a business and is looking for like a system and like a mentorship within a franchise? Mm. Boom, done. Like there, it just fits so naturally in the conversation. Um, Amber, do you think it's naive to think that that if you simply just do such an amazing job that people will want to refer you just based on that alone? A hundred percent, but you need to talk about sorry you think it's naive or sorry i just the question was do you think it's yeah do you think it's naive to think that if you just simply do a good enough job that people would just naturally refer oh oh yeah yeah. i i I think it is i think there's a lot more that goes you can be the best in the world in something but you're not necessarily get referrals you will get referrals but you're gonna have to talk about you have to have to post testimonials they're still gonna have to have conversations you will get results by not talking to anybody People will approach what do you think you, about the recent trend in like the tech world to basically just acquire users by just uh, just throwing money at people? You know, like you know, seventy five dollars off if you get us a friend, or twenty five dollars here, or get a free stock when you sign up, or just whatever. Like just an incentive to just actually get enrolled like in, into their network. What do you think of that? Yeah, recent I think. Uh, um, I think for certain businesses where there's a little need to switch platforms like if you're trading and you're buying stock from td there's very like like there's very little reason to try out Robinhood. if you've banked your whole life with rbc and you want to switch to tangerine there's very small incentive so these companies i think have figured out like a way to incentivize maybe a free trial in that sense like a free trial to a bank doesn't make sense but you can be like oh you know if i worked with tangerine and figured out my cost per acquisition was around two thousand dollars per person or $5,000 per person, let's say. And then I'll be like, okay, we'll offer 500 bucks if you just open up a bank account with Tangerine. And you give an opportunity for that other individual to get into your systems, get enrolled in the world that you've built, and then have them make a decision. Um, Tangerine is a great bank. I don't bank with them because I haven't seen an incentive big enough for me to switch and work with them, right? But um, uh, I think that... If you have not spent 10, around 10 years doing one thing really well, you, you can't expect people to be enrolled in your business unless you talk about it, unless, you've have, unless you have conversations, right? Eventually, you'll get to a point where you're so damn good, but that you, there's no shortcuts to being so damn good, quote unquote. You just have to do the work constantly, and then your clients will become raving fans, but that takes time. Right, but you can do something parallel to that to speed up the flywheel. If you're good, the flywheel will work itself. But there are other ways where you can manually speed it up by talking about your testimonials, making more posts. So 
yes, do good work, but also have systems to actually get reviews, get referrals. Yes. And, you and know, eventually, yeah. like any good trades business that I've witnessed, you start by doing these things. You start actively marketing your business, but eventually you get so good. You have such good employees, such good service. You only have word of mouth and you can turn off your Google ads. You can forget about your social media page because you're booked out for the next two years. And that's a good thing. It's interesting. I mean, I guess I mean, it's interesting to see the brands that don't actually have to rely on referrals, or at least at, at first glance, it doesn't seem like they do. Although I, I like, cause actually I thought that's not, maybe not true. Like the first one that came to mind was like Coca-Cola. Like, you don't, Coca-Cola doesn't rely on referrals, but it kind of does in the sense that if you buy like Coca-Cola oh. and you're going to share it with someone, yeah, like, like holding hey, you it in your hand. You yeah, know, it's like oh, you, you yeah. know, somebody comes no, over. No, no, but like, hey, oh, do you, you want a coke? Like, if someone comes over, hey, yeah. do you want a coke? You know, yeah, like, you just, want some just water, by you being a, a customer, you're naturally referring the drink out because, like, it's like it's like a friend, friendly gesture of like, hey, do you want a pop? You ask me and they exactly. give you a coke. You know, yeah, word yeah. of mouth is so powerful; it can make or break. Believe it or not, Consulting.com they did like twenty five million dollars in sales. Fifty percent of it was referrals. How crazy is that? That's insane. Uh, does that include affiliates though? Uh, I'm not sure. Okay. I'm not sure. Um, I would, I would, I would add affiliates in that bunch. Yeah. So I guess pure word of mouth is no less than 30%. I would, I would guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that, that's, that's what I think. And Mm, I learned this from, from landmark because in, and here's what you'll discover Austin in ILP is you're gonna have to, you know, there's such tremendous value to be gotten from landmark. If you don't know, if you're not, if you don't really become good at having those conversations, nobody's going to show up. Um, eventually, at the end of the program, you will reach a point where you can call anybody on your contact list, people you haven't talked to in years, and be able to enroll them. And that's the reason I joined the program, because I think that's a superpower. If you can call anybody in your contact list and be like, oh, I'd get a penny quote, or yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd love to consider maybe quitting my job and potentially running a franchise for you. I think that's possible. And I think you can get good enough in in the way of your approach and your and what you've achieved in your life and how it's shared and your skill mm-hmm. and that people can quit their jobs, fly from east to west and run a air quality business. Mm-hmm. John has done it. Patrick Lalonde has and 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 uh, Adel have done that with Rydell. Mm-hmm. Studentworks has done that year over year over year in the hundreds. Mm-hmm. Right, so I'm starting to do that in maybe the the dozens, way less mm-hmm. scale, right? But happens, right? People be like, "Oh, I'll consider an online business, an online program. I'll I'll consider hiring a coach. I've never thought of hiring a coach, right?" So you you just got to build up that flywheel, and I think the ability to know how to persuade and how to enroll somebody in a vision of yours is the peak mm-hmm. of sales. I agree. Because great sales, because I've been, um, I've, I've been, uh, I've been toying with the idea of uh, running a YouTube ad, testing a YouTube ad, mm. and I've been working on a couple of scripts, and I've had to like dig up all the material I've ever learned about sales and and things to make the per like the near best right. script that I can to communicate to my audience. I've I've been listening back to conversations that I had with customers that ended up in a sale, and I've been looking at words I've used, words they've used. Mm-hmm. And I'm putting together this really awesome YouTube ad. Um, and it, it just goes a step further. Like if I want to charge three times more, you know, for my program, it's like I need to be just better and better at enrollment. Because yeah. I, I don't think sales is convincing. I think sales is 
well, what do you need? Okay, I have what I need. Mm-hmm. And then it's just, can you, can you have a productive conversation to let them see Yeah, that? it's more of like a solving someone's problem than Correct. it is actually, yeah. yeah. Yeah, twisting somebody's arm to do something. That's not sales. That's, that's... Persuasion. Uh, that's, that's boring. <laughs> I don't know. That's just, it's not exciting, right? So... I guess that's where persuasion crosses the line to manipulation is when you are selling someone something that they actually don't need. Yeah. Yeah. And, but, and, then that and, go, but that goes right back to the limitations that we were talking about before is that I, you know, I can't tell if some of these people, you know, you know, over the course of human history, you just fill in the blank with some sort of snake oil. Okay. You know, whatever labels on it. Right. You know, the modern day snake oil seems to be some sort of online guru sort of, you know, like maybe like sports betting is like an example of an online version, right? But even John D's Rock or John John D Rockefeller's uh, father, he like uh, William Rockefeller, he was like a total scam artist as well, you know? Um, yeah. I wonder if they're like, you know, it's kind of like Grant Cardone, like in his seller be sold, you know, like he's like, he talks about how the most important sale you can make as a salesman is to yourself, you know, yeah. like you have to believe in your product. And I wonder how many of these individuals have like, like, is it willful blindness? But like, you know, they've successfully sold themselves on their own bullshit, which is why they're able to be so charismatic and persuasive. And then, you know, of course, if someone is selling something that's not actually good for its customers, I mean, eventually you would think that there's some sort of rude awakening. So know? I'll, I'll, I'll like, share this with but you. But is that where morality comes into it, though? Is that when someone realizes they're selling bullshit and they continue selling it, then it's like, okay, you're probably a bad person, right? But the person who is yeah. selling something they don't know is bullshit, are they a bad person? I don't know. Yeah, so I can share some of this because uh, when I was doing Toastmasters and I was getting good at like doing public speaking, I would not just do speaks uh, speeches in my club. I would meet other people and other people would visit the club. And I'd had this one person approach me, we'll call him, uh, whatever, we'll call him Bob. And, and Bob approached me and he was like, hey man, like I love your energy. Um, I would love, like, are you interested in like finding a job? And I'm like, yeah, I already have a job. I work, you know, I'm a bus boy. I'm considering applying to work at TD. I would tell them, they're like, okay, well, come out to one of these events um, and just take a look at what I do. I, you know, run my own business. I'm an entrepreneur. And then I would come out because, you know, John, you've been exposed to this, right? So you'd come out. Amway. To this, it wasn't Amway. This was USANA. And you'd, you'd go out and it's like uh, a lot of, <laughs> lot of big crowd, a lot of energy, music, everybody's dancing, like. And this everyone, guy is a millionaire. You could be <laughs> like him too. Oh, dude, you yeah. have no idea. And then at that event, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, they wanted me to sell. It's like health products. You know, it's like to better somebody's health. And they had this, the secret about their products that is. What you like, don't love your family? You don't want to sell them act, products to improve their health? They actually said that it cured cancer. It. They actually said those words. Yeah, and that's that's when it dips over to actual fraud. You know, that's insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I met somebody there who's like, hey, man, I know you probably don't like this. I have a better opportunity for you. And I'm so There's a guy who's I learned that there's like, God, there's like a certain percentage God. of people that are skeptical. He's like, his yeah, funnel is like skeptical. actually like Come skimming the, the rational people off the top of the MLMs, you know? Yeah, so, so I said no thank you to Bob. And, and, and this guy, Joe, came up to me and he's like, he, he had a way better sales pitch. He was dressed better. He drove a nicer car. And then, and then he was like, yeah, I'll come out. And this was called ACN. And you can, you can look at these guys. I'm going to name drop them. I don't care. And ACN 
what they do is you can go to, so let's say John, you pay your electric bill, right? I know. I already know there's a company <laughs> out west that does this too. And fucking what if this you guy. could pay less money for the same electric bill and uh, make money at the same time? It's a it's it's effectively like a union for like customers. <laughs> it, it's insane. So I went to this even bigger stadium with even a bigger crowd, and this time though, <laughs> this, this guy's time, a billionaire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but this time, get this. Guess the, this time the, the lights would go dark, and then like the Chicago no. Bulls anthem would start, and there would be a hype man. He's like, "Ladies and gentlemen, I'll introduce you the national vice president and record holder for the." Yeah, their names are so funny. Sales. This is this guy's diamond level status. Executive Di- yes, they say he was vice actually president a diamond. of senior operations. <laughs> diamond level. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was diamond. Yeah. I, I remember that distinctly. It's like, yo, he's diamond, and then the guy. He's the senior br- vice president of the president of the vice president of the executive team of the director board. It's like, wait, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah, but then, but then here's the thing. But then the guy next to me, he like grabs me by the shoulder as like this guy's announcing, and he's no. like, "Bro, I can't believe they got this guy. I haven't, I've been meaning to meet this guy." And then the lights go on, and this guy with like big shades and like an open. Like he's wearing a suit, walks down with this like really hot girl, he's his, and he's walking his, like, down hair. like McGregor. Yeah, his hair is coming out his of his long chest. Hair. Like McGregor. Yeah, he's walking like <laughs> Conor McGregor down the middle aisle, grabs the mic, you know, and he like announces his superiority, and it's literally like a scene. Eh. Like remember the story we talked about the emperor's clothes, and it was like everybody like cheering this guy on, and yeah, the um, madness of crowds. Yeah, you're like like you're standing like, ovation. You're, like, Dude, and I was getting excited. I felt like I was meeting a celebrity. I'm like, yo, this is crazy. I was like, Dude, everyone's standing phone, up. Like, You're like screaming too, like five seconds yeah. later. You're like, I remember the wait? moment. I remember the yeah. moment I got really excited was when the guy next to me, Joe, he's like, Ammer, you just met the richest guy you've ever met in your life. I bet you right now. And I'm like, this guy makes 700000 a month. I'm like, whoa, there's no way. And uh, and then they started explaining the model. And it's like, it's a $300 package. And the way this guy got there was he has 50,000 people under him who all sell. And it's like, oh, so, okay, if I get 50,000 people under me, I can make 700,000 a month. And he was like, I always yeah. love when MLMs, like, like obscure their revenue. Like, they're like, yeah, that's like, it's like, what you got to do is you just got to go after, like, um, like, I remember, like, an ice agent. He's like, you got to go after BV. I'm like, what's BV? It's like business volume. I'm like, yeah. so revenue. They're like, no, no, it's not revenue. It's BV. It's like, yeah. Where's that on the ticker when you're trying to read a stock? What's, you yeah, know, what's yeah, Amazon's yeah. BV? Yeah, I, know, that's I, I was I like want. reading the annual report of some company. I was like, BV. Where's right? BV? Then, yeah. <laughs> Non-gap accounting. Yeah. Um, yeah. But to so answer he, your, the reason I bring this up is to answer your question, because I've seen this guy, Joe, and his friend, uh, Joel, we'll call him, Joe and Joel. These guys would travel and jump ship from MLM to MLM, get to a certain level where the bonuses are maximum. And then jump ship to another MLM, maximize their bonuses, jump to another one. And so because I wasn't sold on Melaleuca and – no, not Melaleuca. Uh, I wasn't sold on USANA and I wasn't sold You'd on You'd see the ACM, same guy over and over again. The same guy called me like three months later. He's like, Amber, I got to apologize for last time. That was dog shit. You got to come out to this event. Melaleuca, yeah, dude, they're this, up and this coming. This totally different. I own yeah. stock in this company, man. I believe in it so much. I'll pay for you. Dude, these guys paid so much in dinner. One of them rolled up in a Lamborghini, drove me around. Like, I go, I was spoiled. Like, these guys. That's insane. These guys, like, were not kidding around because they saw the fire in my eyes that Michael Hawley saw. And he was like, okay, just right. run your own business instead of running an MLM. 
I'm like, oh, that makes sense. You know, I can just see. <laughs> yeah, all these MLM the- guys, I know. Tristan, I know this guy. It's like, man, if he put in as much effort into the MLM as he did into like a legitimate business, he'd That's- probably actually just be rich by now. <laughs> I know, I know. Like the and- seven years in, it's like, dude. Yeah. So the way it works, and this is what I witnessed, is remember what I said in, in you know, one of the main things that I discovered mindset wise, which is like reality is really whatever you make it. It d- really does not matter what is true, only what you believe is true. Okay. It doesn't matter what you look like. If you think you don't look good, then. That's why ignorance is bliss. Well, it can be. But these guys, what they would do is they were so good because these guys would know everything about self affirmations and like Tony Robbins and they would do this like brainwashing where they would just believe like this is it like this is the final destination this is what's going to make me a millionaire and when you would sit face to face with these guys and you're skeptical like me and you ask them questions and you spend hours and hours with them not a single slip up would happen they would not divert their eye in a way they would not give you the attention that same enthusiasm would literally last That's called weeks cocaine and son <laughs> yeah I was gonna say. so these guys were just really these guys these guys were just really good at mastering confirmation bias and teaching right. themselves like this is the spot this is the best company That's actually pretty pretty interesting yeah and I, I think and in I the right hands it. that is like a really good thing to be able to do yeah. just like really focus on the positives but if you have the right structure, when if you're not if you're in a company with a lot of gray lines and it just becomes interesting. So I think MLMs and you know, I guess this could be like a controversial opinion. I think it's I think it's worth everybody checking out an MLM to see what results you can get if you did run your own business. Because that was the conclusion mm-hmm. I got. I did the math. Somebody sat down and did the math for me. And it was like, if you work this hard, make this many phone calls, send this many text messages and emails, you can make this much money. Well, if you just take your take that same system from that MLM to your own business, oof, like it'd be absolutely yeah. insane. And the biggest I sell mean, to these MLMs was the, the environment. The behind it, though, is, is it, every MLM has the exact same problem, which is that the fundamental math that they're trying to sell people on does not actually work. I know. Okay. If... If two people refer two people and those people refer two people, I mean, you only have to go a few chains down before you realize it's not, guys, this is not actually workable, okay? Yeah. Yeah. It, it was crazy. I almost lost like a couple of buddies because of this. I was so enrolled in this. I was so naive. Yeah, I had like two cult-like. of my best. Very cold. It was insane, man. Insane. Two of your best friends were telling you not Two to of it? my best friends signed up for one of these companies and then- a week later, they woke up and they just like were looking around the room and they're like, why do I own this weird brand of shampoo that I don't need? Yeah. Yeah. yeah my skin, their skin's all dry and like their <laughs> hair's falling out. And like, dude, it's the best shampoo ever. It's like, <laughs> you like see them like two, two months balding later. balding like, at 19. My favorite one's like the skinny coffee. Like that one was so fucking funny. Oh my God. Yeah. So, oh, so they have to buy like, all the product, all right? That's how it works. I ended up and they, returning. And all yeah. the MLMs have the same sales pitch on that. They're like, dude, if you own a Tim Hortons, wouldn't you buy from it? It's yeah, like, yeah, I don't know, yeah. man. Like, like I own a painting business. I mean, I guess I'd use my own painters, but yeah, like, I don't I, huff my own you know. paint, brother. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, two of my friends uh, that I sold, plus another person that I knew that I sold into this. I felt so bad after I like literally just returned all their money and like keep the product, man. It so almost crazy. cost me like their friendship. It was crazy, but I did make a ridiculous sum of money. I made like four thousand dollars in a week. 
um the first week doing this and I, and then and then the math just became impossible like okay now i need like triple the amount and then i'll make triple the money but there's nothing in between and it was just like why not just run my own business where it's my own name brand it's a product i actually believe in and there that has a, a some positive so hmm. yeah i think in short if you believe that your business is not worth talking about you're not going to talk about it if mm-hmm. you think your business is worth talking about then yeah talk about it yeah right? i couldn't agree so. more that's 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 kind of what I say, because um, that mindset also runs into when you're recruiting, right? If you don't believe in your company, if you it's don't believe be in really your sales hard system, to gets people to join you. Yeah, what I found is whenever, because uh, my program is split into a, a specific point, where a specific point of the program, I say you cannot move forward until you've booked a month of work in advance. Only then can you start recruiting and building job site systems. Or Before else then, it's just not worth their time. Yeah, but some people get stuck at that point because they just aren't confident in their in their sales pitch, in their pricing yet, in their sales, in their marketing. And until you're confident in that, like how can you be confident to bring in another mm-hmm. human being for a couple mm-hmm. of months, Very maybe sometimes a year, right? So that's like something I was able to observe on why people get stuck at this point. And I would yeah. say like 80% of the market is stuck running a one-man show where they're wearing too many hats in their business, not willing to hire on an employee because they only have word of mouth. They don't have the ability, like, you know, for example, you and John, you guys can just go out tomorrow, knock on a couple of doors, and you can book some work, right? So, John, didn't you book, like, this massive job a couple of days ago? Yeah, like a week and a half ago, I booked, a, like, a really large project for next year. It's actually, like, my, I would say it's, like, my first whale, which is super exciting because I've been, I worked really hard this year to, I quoted on a lot of big projects, but, of course, you know, you yeah. only talk about the quote, the projects I quote. I talk about the projects I book, and finally, I landed a a, a fairly large project. It's one hundred and seventy thousand oh! dollars. Yeah. Whoa! What are the margins like on this one? Well, I mean, you know, for for larger projects, I mean, there's obviously some cost savings, um, but there's also, I mean, there's lots of unknowns. I mean, I'll know what the margins are when I'm <laughs> when I'm done the project, but. You know, you can, nego- I mean, you know, there's a lot of paint. I mean, so, we, you know, you can negotiate like special pricing for the project because, you know, of course they can ship paint in just for this one project, right? So. Mm. That's crazy. And you guys don't produce this till next year, right? Yeah, it's a four month project um, and it'll go over the summer. Yeah. Yeah. How many guys so are, you, are you going to have? In that well, I should say it's four months if I throw three people on it. I think I think like with some efficiency, I think people could get it. Like I think f- four people could get it done in maybe two and a half months if Got they were it. like really efficient. Yeah, that's insane, man. How'd you how'd you book that job? How many quotes do you say you you had to? How many commercial bids did you have to do to land this commercial job? Well, I probably quoted like this year. I probably did about like maybe ten. That's it, eh? Like 10, like large, no, hold on. I mean, I did a lot of commercial quotes. I did tons and tons of strata quotes, but I booked a lot of them. But I'm saying like, I did like 10 like large projects. I did, well, that's, I mean, it depends on what you consider large, but I would say I've, I did like maybe 10 over quotes that were over, over 100, just three. Okay, over 50? Probably 10, yeah. 10, okay, got it. And when you write up these quotes, what do they look like? Are, are they an email? Is it a one They're just PDF? a quote package. They're just a quote package. Like it's like a PDF file, you know, it's just like a, like a nice presentation. It's kind of, you know, basically, you know, cause, because you don't get to present these quotes. Well, I actually was fortunate because I did. 
um, on this one. But usually how it works with stratas is, you know, they'll contact you. You usually meet with a few strata, depending on the size of the, the project. Usually you meet with a few strata council members. They'll kind of walk through the project, which you can kind of do like almost like a an initial call, like, you know, obviously set it up and then you can then do a really thorough walkthrough. And you can actually present the job right then and there to them. Like the only, because the only thing you don't know is the price. So you can sell them on everything that you would do as if you were going to close them right then and there. But of course you can, because it's a strata, they need to get approval from homeowners, like, especially for this one. They needed, there's like, I think uh, 70 homeowners and they need to get a three quarter vote in order for, to approve the project. You can't just go spend $170,000 and not have approval from the homeowners, right? So, wow. but I was fortunate because I did get to present two strata um, at a later date because I was selected as the bid that was going to get presented to the homeowners. But I, but the other strata council members that couldn't be present, I was able to present it. They liked it, so they they put my bid. I was the only bid that was presented to the homeowners. Like, hey, wow, we we the, the council members we've vetted out all the quotes. This is the one we want to present. If you'd like to go ahead with it, three quarter vote, and then it went ahead. Now I don't know how the other strategists do it, but there's a quote package where you know effectively you're having to make it so that if someone never met you, they would yes. still want to book with you, right? You know, so yeah. Got it. Um, does the package include like your name, your production manager? What what does this package include? Oh, it's literally. I everything. mean, name. Yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah, I'll show you, know, you what name I of the business. Name of the business. You know, um, you know, manager on site. You know, a very detailed methodology of how we're actually going to execute and deliver on the you know on the project but also like any pain points they might have brought up like some council members for example might you know really not want subcontractors and then you know you are very clear mm -hmm. hey we do everything in-house right and so you, you know you, you you try and list all your sales points and then from there you obviously want to make sure that you have a really crystal clear you know description of what you're actually doing so full clarity because on a large project you don't want any lack of clarity um and then um yeah and then basically just like products used etc you know Got it. does it look like this kind of like table of contents objectives kind of i would you. say that it's it's i would say it's similar um it's I probably see. the same idea mine looks a little bit a little bit different i mean it's it's yeah it's a little different but similar Got and it. um yeah, it's same idea though. Yeah, and then you have the price, you know, and then, you know, I usually attach like, you know, some reference letters from other stratas, I, you know, insurance, you know, work safe mm -hmm. clearance letter, all things that stratas are going to request anyways, just send them in the first package. Why wait for them to request them? True. Um, you know, and then just follow up constantly, ask if there's any questions, keep badgering them to see if you can come and present because, you know, it's always easier if you can present. Yeah, and then, and then fortunately this one went ahead, so. Beautiful. Um, what's your goal for next year? I haven't really set like a firm goal, but I I don't think it's going to be much more than 1.5. Got it. Okay. Was there a like a math to that or? Yeah, there was some very quick back back of the, I don't know where the sheet is. Oh, back, back, there of, was the some back of the napkin? There was some back, well, actually, do you know what? I actually just buy. John, like, that's funny. In bulk. my first year of running a roofing business, my goal is 1.5. Yeah. So on the back of my, like I, I'm not back, but I actually like just have like bulk, like index cards that I just use. Oh, that was so satisfying. It's not the most environment. It's not the most, yeah, I know. It's not the Oof. most environmentally friendly thing, but I probably burn through about like 25 of these a day. Yeah. So. I use Google like, Calendar. Like when I do stock investing, for example, this is all the math that I do to, to whether or not I'm going to buy a stock is all in one of these bad boys. Mm. 
Just double Very sided. Nice. And then you throw them out? No, I keep them. So like um like when I buy a stock, like for example, if I buy a stock, I just like I just like all all the information that I that I use to come up with my decision and then I do my valuation on one of these index cards and then basically I write down like like basically like why I bought the company. Um and then I just I have like a little filing cabinet, just put that in there, you know, and then if I ever want to sell the stock, I just quickly open this up and just quickly just, you know, look through. Okay, is it, 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 it was why I bought this still true? Yes. Well, then maybe I'll buy more, right? Mm. Yeah. How, how much do you spend on printer ink per year? That's a fat stack. Um, I bought like a really expensive printer. So I I only spend like maybe because um, it's a to- it's a toner. Like it's a, it's a like it's like a commercial printer, right? So. I probably only go through like it can it can print a full annual report in like less than a minute, right? And how yeah. long is a and full annual report? Like a hundred over a hundred pages, right? About a hundred pages, yeah. I usually only print off the first like I shouldn't say I print off the whole thing. Most annual reports are around a hundred pages or so, and usually the first forty-five to fifty-seven pages or so are are what you're actually looking for. The back half is a lot of like you know compliance stuff that that is not really relevant to anything that I'd be looking at. Um, Got it. But, but I don't go through a lot of ink because it's not ink. It's actually toner. So it's like, it doesn't print color because of this. I mean, I I could have paid, like I could have spent a couple thousand dollars on a printer. I didn't want to, but nonetheless, the toner is amazing because um, it, I think it lasts like, I don't even know. Anyway, a long time. Like I think, you know, maybe only like 300 bucks in ink a year, you know, or a toner. Got it. And the printer was like, what? A thousand bucks? Something like that, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Good investment. Like, give me a. Printer. It's great though. It's a good. Yeah. Well, it's cheap in the long run, right? So. That's dope. Did you pick a new stock or? All the money that you yeah, guys were making for you guys, like, where are you guys deploying this capital? Yeah, yeah. Um, I did actually. I called Ammer uh, today about it. Um, it's cool. It's actually. It's it's sort of interesting. It's uh. And if you're on our Patreon, you'll actually get to understand more of you. You'll actually get to uh, do. So I, I, we've probably mentioned this in the podcast before. Like you know, I'm constantly researching more companies to try and find places to put my money, and um, I don't always find a good stock. But I think I found, you know, fingers crossed. But I think I found a really good one, and, and the company is called Smith and Wesson. Of course, and if you don't know what that is, you know that's... they've been making they've been Oof. making guns in America and selling them to Americans since 1852. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, but like, if you were to run a percentage of the money that you guys made this year, where is it going? How much is in cash? How much is in gold? How much is in stocks? How much is it is set aside for future real estate deals? How much of it going back to your business? How much of it into your personal life? I'm curious. I, I did the math. I think I think oh, um, after my after tax percentage of income that will be invested is is no not less than sixty seven percent. Probably more. Yeah. Same. Wait. Say that yeah, again. Probably more. I said. The reason why I say not not less is because I, I haven't actually sat down and actually done the math on what my after tax income is, but, but it's, I've, I've invested at least 67% of my after tax income this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, got it. Okay. In what though? Um, well, I should say, I should say save slash invest. Cause I, I do have a, 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 
I mean, I, in my opinion, I have a pretty substantial amount of cash, like, you know, for what it is. I mean, because I count my gold as cash, cash and equivalents, I'll say cash and equivalents. And I would consider gold a cash equivalent, right? It's sure. It's, it's a, it's a metal cash, but um, yeah, like, so I carry around eight, eight months roughly of, of living expenses um, in, in gold at any given moment. Um, it's not, it's not an investment. It's, it's just, I don't want like my buying power to decrease over time, you know, like, so if you were to just set aside eight months of living expenses and then you come back 10 years later, you hope that you'd still have eight years of living expense or sorry, eight months. Can you imagine eight years, eight years of living expenses in gold? (laughs) Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's a buying power decision. I don't, I don't actually expect to make any money quote unquote off the gold or anything like that. That's just a store of value. Right. Um, and then I, I, I only carry cash. It's not preferable. I mean, the only reason why I'd have cash beyond that, because I obviously have like a, I'm sure that you guys have like the whole zero, you know, like I think everyone has a zero in their bank account, you know, like as in like, you know, like for, I'll give you an example. Like when I was, when I didn't have as much money, like the zero in my account was like a grand. So like, I would never have less than that. Like, you know, if I had less than a thousand bucks, like that was like, you know, that was effectively my mm-hmm. zero, right? So mm-hmm. Beyond just my normal cash balances that I maintain within, you know, my business, I have operating capital, and then my personal, I have, you know, a couple months of expenses in my checking account to make sure that, you know, I have, you know, enough cash. Beyond that, I don't actually want to hold cash, of course. I mean, you know, there's so many different kind of little quotes you could say, cash is trash, et cetera, but I don't want to actually have cash. I'd rather actually have things that produce cash, right? <laughs> like as a, as a, as a capitalist, that's kind of what, that's the whole goal is to not, you don't want to actually, I mean, the goal is to have cash so you can yeah, buy things that produce cash. So ideally I'm buying businesses or like, you know, the peer error, that was a big investment this year for mm-hmm. me. Um, Smith and Wesson, I'm going to be putting, I, I mean, it'll be the, it'll be the largest once I actually, I, I'm going to buy a little bit more this week. That'll be the largest, uh, stock purchase I've made. And then, um, I bought stock in UMH as well, uh, which is that mobile home company. And then um, I gave my financial advisor a substantial amount of money. I was giving, over the summer. I do bi-weekly with him. I maxed out my TFSA. Um, I did a deal with Matt. Um, I did the thirteen unit, and then um, that's probably it. Nice. Incredible. Yes. Yeah. Not many people can say that, man. Well done. It's crazy. I'll go next. 100% of my income is going to my business. Austin, yeah. what about you? No, no, hold on. That's, that's, not a small, that's not a small point, though. That's actually so important because I was talking to my uh, my massage therapist today and while well, he was working on me, and he, that, like, he, he was talking about how he's- like, a little bit more going on there. My massage therapist. <laughs> no, no, no. No, JR, he's great. He actually used to paint for me back in the day. Right, nice right, guy. right. You were telling me that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, this guy. And so he was talking to me about stock investing because he knew that I was into it. And I said, well, why why do you want to invest in stocks? And he's like, well, because like, I'm trying to invest for my future. I said, well, like, don't you, like, because I'm like, you rent here, right? He's like, yeah. Like, I'm like, well, how much do you, you know, and I'm not going to divulge all his numbers. I don't think that's fair to him. He doesn't necessarily know what I'm talking about on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, he's like but, massaging somebody right now, and his financial statement is being publicly exposed. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. no, just, no just, just how much? It's just okay. Basically, just very quickly, back of the envelope math. I was like, hey man, like you realize you could just buy an office like downtown Kelowna, 
and your mortgage would actually be like one third of what you're paying in rent right now, you could start your own business easily. Like, cause you know, he always tells me how there's infinite demand for RMTs. And I was like, that's the best return you could get. I'm like, that's basically a guaranteed 66% return cash on cash. Plus on top of it, you're getting equity in real estate, right? And he's like, I never thought of that. I'm like, yeah, dude, like the best investment you can make is not stocks. Like go, go invest in yourself, go build your own business. Like that's, that's the way to get, you know, like I'm only buying stocks. I'm only buying these things because I've already built a pretty successful business and on top of it, I don't have any other uses for money within my business, right? Like I, I don't have any more advertising to do this year, right? Or I don't have, like I already have all my operating capital for next year, right? Like I've already set aside all the money I'm going to need, you know, for next year, right? So I don't need- I got to ask, what what is that number for a $1.2, $1.5 million painting business? How much cash do you need to have set aside? Um, 20 grand? Like, like, for, like, like, for, like for next year? Yes, 20 G's. My guess would be like 50 in terms of. No. Yeah, closer. Material. Like it's about, I have about, I mean, I, I have like, so, so far I've set aside like, I don't know, maybe like 30,000, but I get like $17,000 like back with my GST in January. So 47, you know, 50. I'll, okay. Yeah. About like 40, like 40, 50 grand. Okay. Know? Okay. Cool. 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 Yeah. But like, you know, you have to pay, like I have to pay for a lot of expenses up front before I start seeing revenue. Right. So yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like even Flyers. just the insurance on the vehicles is, you know, a couple thousand dollars. You know, I got to spend, you know, $10,000 buying flyers. You know, you got to start paying people to knock on doors and that's, you know, a couple hundred, you know, several hundred dollars a week. You know, yeah, you yeah, yeah, your yeah. marketing materials. Yeah, like you're burnt. You know, I don't, I, I probably don't make a profit on my business until probably until May. You know, like I probably lose money for the first four months, make a lot of money for five months and then sort of barely get by for two months and then right now i'm probably breaking even yeah yeah i got it got it got it that's so cool okay cool yeah but yeah yeah that's how i'm spending it because that the same rationality you just explained is what i'm explaining as well so pretty darn excited about the future here i would but, say mine's yeah, similar to john um i have i bought the rydell franchise i paid myself uh i would say like the average canadian salary um, you know, give myself, uh, not a lavish life, but a nice life, I guess, you know, like you want to eat better than ramen. Yeah, but exactly. Not actually steak every yeah. night. Yeah. yeah. With maybe, you know, a couple extra holes on the golf course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> um, I would say like five ETFs? to 10%. Eh? Never mind. Never mind. I interrupted. Go ahead. I would say like, uh, 50... No, I would say 67% of my income is getting invested because I plan on buying a property myself in the next couple of months uh, because similar to what John is describing for his friend, the RMT, it actually makes more sense for me to get rid of the you know, $1,400 a month I'm paying in rent and just put that into a mortgage in an area that is actually increasing in demand for places to live because um, a lot of... For some reason, on the auto on the Quebec side of Ottawa Gatineau, it's just in the past ten years, it's just a lot of people are moving here. So, don't don't ask me why. There's just the real estate value is good here, even if it goes down a little bit. I'm still actually paying towards something that isn't just rent, you know. So it's going to make more sense. So that's <clears throat> there's a chunk of money put aside there as well, and then the the other like other things of like put my on January 1st, putting my 2022 RSP max in there so I can get next year's in. It's already already maxed out. Um, 
and uh yeah how come you use i would your say RRSP maybe like 10 tfsa or do you do you do you use your tfsa as well i use my rsp but not as much because i change the way i pay myself as opposed to be taking a salary so i don't necessarily need to write my income down that low anymore so rsp deductions aren't super motivating um because they're so long to access so like the majority of my money is in my tfsa yeah yeah okay Actually, no, not the majority of my money. The majority of money is in the company. But I also have like, you know, I have to buy a, a truck for Rydell. I have to... Wait, why? Why do you have to buy a truck? It's just extremely difficult to run a roofing business out of anything other than a pickup truck. Because what about how a much van? Remove... You could use a van, for sure. You just need... You, you kind of just want to have the ability... Trailers to, to and tow. things like that, Ammer. Yeah, you want to yeah. have the ability yeah. to tow. See, I I have an interesting opinion on that, and I want to Dude, ask you. I, you're talking to a guy who doesn't want to buy a truck. Like I, I don't bizarre. think you should buy a truck for a couple of reasons. Let's think about the second and. Th- I have great muted. reasons. Oh, okay, okay. I'm just thinking about it from like this perspective. Your goal is to be the CEO of Rydell. Not no, not really. Why not? But yeah, VP CEO. Come on, come on now. Actually, take a second. I what guess is eventually, your goal with the- yes. Oh, there you go. Okay, okay. I would strongly believe that in order to become the CEO, first you have to become the vice president, then you have to become an excellent... Oh, I see where you're going with this. Before you have to be an excellent district manager. Why on earth would you open any door, even a tiny crack, to where you're doing any work on the tools? Austin, where Amher's going with this is is this. Amher, or Austin, I drive a... Well, Austin, you already do. You drive a Golf. I drive a Jetta. I actually can't carry paint or equipment around, period. Like yes. I actually can't. I I could. I actually physically could not move. Guys, I really liked this year. year that I couldn't do any of that. I don't have roof racks on my car. Good. Right? Like this is the same why? thing. So why? So why are you getting why? a truck? Why well, because... on earth are you even considering this? <sighs> okay, guys. <laughs> what? What? We're gonna fly over. We're gonna fight you. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, because I have a commitment to no matter what my role is with Rydell, uh, in the future, I have to actually go through the motion of. I have a commitment to manage two roofing crews this entire year because if I'm gonna if I'm ever gonna try and coach this, I need to manage production. Fair enough. Level. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. For one year, no, I need to Amber, two he's crews. gotta bring up Amber, he has to bring himself to the general manager role. He actually has to like play that role for a little bit. Like the hold on, Amber, Amber the same way. I'm that not going to Amber, drop like uh, I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking. That wasn't me like. No, no, like, no being but upset. I'm saying like I oh, plan okay, sorry, on buying good. a vehicle that I can predictably get equity back from or not equity are you getting sell. into coma no i'm not getting into coma yeah good yeah yeah oh man are okay you a tundra <laughs> clearly john's a big toyota guy uh but no okay. it'll likely be yeah. a ford then I, also, not, i have a couple sure i have a couple questions you're get a ford and you're talking about getting equity back come on dude come you on. you said you made a commitment what was that conversation like who had that conversation with you Okay, Amber, I don't know. No, we, no, we no. It was not diving. No, I want to. I want I'm interested in this. There's a CEO. Okay, cool. And, and, and it was his... a real conversation. Like, like if I if I wanted to start earning the right to start leading people and coaching people, I have to experience all sides of the business. Not forever, but at some point. I don't think I would have been a very good DM if I didn't manage my own business for the first time in my first year. Amber, what do you think about this? So Matt Lang, shout out to Matt Lang. He is being so humble about this. He's actually moving out to Kelowna in a month from now, basically on the day. Um, and he is going to actually be a technician 
for Tristan for three months. Mm. So he's going to learn the business. If I was in his shoes, I would do up. the same thing. And I think you would too, John. If you were doing oh, what, to, what oh, he's doing. Oh, totally. But, yeah. think about, but, but really think about how much that actually takes to go from running your own business. He probably didn't move his own equipment, probably delegated everything. And then cutting out your ego and actually being willing to just work. Oh, but yeah, for three I months. love that. That's, that's, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. But that's what Austin's doing. I've Is been, correct, I've been Austin? roofing for the past month. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I, here's a question to both of you. If you guys were running like software companies, would you guys learn coding first? Well, it depends on what my role is yeah. within the business. If it, it, yeah. it, if the CEO of a software company was talking to me about being a senior leader in his team of, of software engineers, I would need to learn how to speak a language there, yes. I guess the main question that... I, I just like to question this thing because I, yeah, I, no, no, I really I know, do think there's, there's something here. I see where you're going. No, no. Just, this I is the that, main yeah. question that I've been trying to solve for the past couple of years. And I've, and I'm, look, I'm completely detached from any position, right. but I sure. like to keep questioning it because it's, it's so quickly stated as a fact. And I think like anything in business that's so quickly stated as a fact, there's usually an opportunity that lies question. there if you question yeah. it enough. And that is, do you need to know the trade skill in order to run a trade business? Here's my answer. No. Here's my answer. It depends what stage of the business you encounter it in. If you're in the infancy stage of the business, I think anyone that comes into the business needs to know how everything is produced, at least on the ground level. Assuming that the business has under 10 people, right? You need to understand the fundamentals of it or else you're not going to become very useful to a small team of, of a business that's trying to grow. But if you come into a, like a multinational, like I don't think I need to know how to code if I would be a senior leader or, or a C-suite executive in a, in a software company, right? Yeah, it depends on what your role is going to be within the company. It has right? to depend on the lifespan of the company. It has yeah. to. Why are you married to this role? I mean, if, if it's your business, it's your own world, technically. Why did Why you want to- Why am I married to what role? Why, why, why did you accept your role as project manager? Why not hire a roofer who's been doing this for 10 years I to be the on. project manager? I'm going to no, no, I, Amber, I think you totally missed it. He's, he's, he's doing it for like a, a couple months stretch to just actually get just his feet next wet, summer. understand that logistics so that later when he's then training a franchisee, he can actually speak from the perspective of a manager saying, hey, this is what a project manager does. I've done oh, it. I Amber, see, I keep see. in mind, okay, I'm okay, going to still it. own the franchise Yeah, long time, right? So I plan on having this business be very, um, like I need to find key people for these roles in the future. Okay, okay. Yes, got it, sure. got it. Okay, yeah. okay. Like, like Amher, so it's a I... On the other hand, I'm actually not learning any of the technical work. Which I mean, is, maybe eventually, which surrounds might, your but role, I'm right, actually John? not. Yeah, but I'm also not learning any of the technical work about. I mean, I, I'll probably will over time naturally just sort of pick up on it, you know. But the reason why I'm not learning any of the technical work is because I will never actually be working within a peer air business. My like my role within Tristan and Tristan Matt and I's operation is actually to find other people that want to come work with us and recruit more franchisees to come work with us and eventually it'll be managing all of our investments so at no point in time do i actually is it pertinent for me to know how to actually hook up a, a shop 
or the hook up any of their equipment to the you know to the air compressor and actually run it through and clean up a person's house not pertinent to anything i'm doing right yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay, see good. how those are yeah. kind of two different scenarios, though, Ammer? Because I, I think I think we all agree with the two routes there. Or maybe you don't. I, I guess this would solve it for me. If if you weren't part of a franchise, Austin, okay, and 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 you were starting a roofing business, mm. would you still do this? But Ammer, the, the franchise is so I think important I would though, have because to. he's moving on to a DM. Like how, like it, like the franchise is the pivotal part here. <laughs> like the same way that if I, if I wasn't trying to have a multi, like if Tristan, Aunt Matt and I weren't trying to have multi-unit ownership, it wouldn't, I would, my role wouldn't exist. <laughs> so I wouldn't yeah. be offering any value to, to Tristan or Matt by bringing more people on. I, I, I'd offer no value, right? I see. So Austin, like the, the fact that he wants to become the vice president and and effectively the, the 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 Pat Lalonde, okay, of Rydell, okay, it kind of requires him to have a pretty intricate understanding of the day to day operations of each person's business, right? Yeah, I agree. Now, could he do it without it? Sure. I mean, I guess you could go to war without a shield. <laughs> I mean, you know, I just I wouldn't want to be the yeah. I, I wouldn't want to be the dude without a jock strap yeah. in a fucking wrestling match, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> love the, love the euphemism there at the end yeah the metaphor yeah God. not necessary but but i think that there's a certain level of just understanding it's kind of like you know um like one of the things that i actually like about uh um the smith and wesson uh ceo was that he actually kn- he actually knows how to operate the machinery that's actually one yeah. thing i just thought was so cool because i think if I remember correctly, I think he actually rose up from basically being like a like a person who was working in the factories to actually now just being, right? There's like many, there's many famous examples of the, that. The, right? the reason I'm I'm really I I really want to wrestle with this, not because I don't see a clear answer, but because I want to get a, a a very 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 clear answer. Um, because effectively, one of the decisions I have to make when I'm you know writing this YouTube ad, writing the emails, I'm going to be writing hundreds of emails in the future. Is, you know, if, if you guys had the option to, to start to help, you know, let's say you guys were starting your own franchise, um, would you rather recruit people who already had experience within a trade first, or do you think that's not a requirement? Well, I... I mean, it's, it's, I mean, all of this is so situational. I know. It's like, I would hire way more on character than experience. No, 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 no. that's clear. Yeah, no, that's unanimous. I agree with that. Yeah, it's totally situational. Would I be trying to, would I be trying to find people for senior roles in a new business? Yes. Okay. Would I be, would I be trying to have the business quote unquote run itself and have other people figure it out on the ground? No. Like I'd, I'd want to actually, in order to have a good relationship with people that I would be enrolling and also be an effective leader, I would need to be able to coach them in doing their job to the best of their ability, which means I do need some form of education of what they do on the ground or what they do, period. I mean, a lot of businesses actually know this very well like for for example mcdonald's if you want in tim hortons i believe has this stipulation in their contract as well if you want to own a tim hortons franchise you have to work there 
like I'm like it's like there's a certain like requirement mm-hmm. you actually have to work in the store on the front line for a certain amount of time every year yeah right and they know that that that's a winning formula yeah. right so very successful franchise operations understand the importance of everyone understanding what's going on in the business right yeah yeah what's the stopping criteria then for for something like that well i would say the stopping criteria is that the moment that doing i mean the moment that you're doing someone else's job and it infringes on your sorry you're doing someone else's role and it's infringing on your role then you're probably stepping over overstepping right isn't that kind of uh yeah well ammer like me like austin learning you seem really resistant to this not resistant just curious wow there is definitely some resistance austin (laughs) i'm just playing devil's advocate totally but i think you know austin learning how to be a project manager is not destining him to being a project manager for the rest of his life like you see of course but it's i don't know man it's it sounds like you think that maybe there's a miscommunication you're never getting out yeah i see amber is just searching for the other side of the conversation no i think the miscommunication is my curiosity on uh a business's success based on the owner or the ceo's involvement in the day-to-day operation and his Mm. knowledge of certain things Hey guys, Austin here. Just wanted to check in mid-episode and thank you so much for your ongoing listenership and commitment to the podcast. We have some of the most enormously positive data with regards to how long our listeners listen to episodes for, meaning we can tell the vast majority of our listeners listen right from the first to the last second of the recording, which in the world of podcasting is just completely unheard of. So we wanted to just stop in here mid-episode and say, thank you for being you. You guys are absolutely awesome. Because of this overwhelmingly positive data over the last two years, we decided it would be a great idea for both us and our listeners to launch a Patreon. A Patreon is essentially a platform that you can subscribe to to get more connected with myself, John and Ammer, and the podcast as a whole. So whether you're a massive fan of the podcast and want to get direct individual coaching from myself, Ammer, or John, or want to just have early access to episodes and chip in a few dollars a month to help us take this podcast to the next level, bring on more guests and provide more value, there are tiers that are built for you, I can guarantee it. If you wanted to look into Patreon, get more information about how you could gain more value through the podcast and really augment your listening experience, you can check out our link in our Instagram at the weekly call pod on Instagram, or simply press pause on this episode, go into the show notes, click the Patreon link and check out more details about the tiers we have available there. Thanks so much guys. And thank you so much for continuing to listening to the weekly call podcast. Now back to the episode. Like the technical side of roofing, the technical side of painting, their ability to do a good roofing job, a good painting job. Is that a good in... How important is that? I would say the scale and the long-term success is not going to really factor on whether or not the CEO knows that. But the thing is, whoever's the CEO... like So, okay. I mean, if you want to get really nuanced here. If you're trying to take a business from $0 to, let's say, $5 million, okay, and you are and you plan on being the guy from day one, and then you plan on being the CEO five years from now, you probably are going to have to learn the technical sides of the business because at some point in time, you're going to encompass the role of the dude who needs to know the fucking technical shit, okay? But if you're coming into an existing business that's already doing $5 million in revenue, they already have people who know the technical side of it, you probably don't need to know the technical side of it to come into the business and actually just have strategic leadership 
and making you know, just overall strategy. You probably don't need to know painting to run a $5 million painting business. But if you're planning on doing it from zero to 5 million, you probably do, mm. right? Probably. Boom. That's it. That's well, here's doing. a question. Um, if, if you were to do that zero to 5 million, uh, why not in the beginning, instead of trying to learn it, why not just hire somebody who has already learned it from the get-go? Yeah. Amr, you, 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 you totally could do that. But if you're, if, but if a later role that you plan on encompassing yourself requires you have technical information, then you would need to learn it now. Like, so Austin's future role, like he, he's not going to hire someone to, you know, necessarily, I mean, I guess he could, he, he could hire someone to teach the technical stuff to his, his franchise, uh, people he's going to be DMing, but that's as a DM that he's going to be in the field with his guys. And so he'll, he'll need to have that knowledge. He's not going to have some guy stand next to him and relay that information, right? He could, but... Uh-huh. So it's less friction. Okay. Interesting. Like, Amr, if you ever decided to start another business, well, even the business you're in, why haven't you... There's a lot of stuff yourself? that you're doing currently, yeah. yeah. Why haven't you hired someone to, to uh, do your Facebook advertising? And, yeah. Yeah, right? I mean, there's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of things that you probably would want to know and have your pulse on right now there's also to some degree there's also no one's going to care as much as the owner so when you're first starting a business there's also a certain level of efficiency that the owner's going to have that just no one else is going to have right like still to this day i mean my guys have finally you know got past me but still to this day even though i i barely paint i can still rock a crazy efficiency because as an owner i just care so much that i'm just gonna that's just intrinsic to being an owner i can just rock out a fucking paint job yeah right despite me not painting at all right yeah <laughs> so yeah, the, the reason the too and that's why i'm on roofs and i need to learn how to roof because i want to know the technicalities yeah. of how to install shingles how to install metal yeah. all these things right so so here's a more direct question when when somebody jumps on one of the calls with me and wants to start their own trade business Mm. and wants to join the program and get coaching and they want to start their own carpentry business mm. and that's their dream but they have zero experience with carpentry is it my responsibility to turn them away or do i take their money and help them start a business i don't think that you need to turn them away if you think they need to get experience on the in the field i think there's a version of this that's like based on the type of business they want to run and the type of market they want to serve, maybe you identify that them getting experience for six months with another person's business while they do all the administration and marketing for their own business is going to be the best. Oh, Austin, I think what okay. Amber was saying was that because he doesn't know carpentry, should he just turn away people? No, 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 no that's no, no, no. not. No, Austin understood what I was trying oh, to okay. say. Oh, yeah. okay. My bad. My bad. Okay. Yeah. No, my eye was. Because I teach that. mostly business systems. I can't consult anybody on carpentry. I know. Right. But if somebody yeah. comes to me with zero carpentry experience saying that they want to start a carpentry business. Oh, I see. Okay. Is it my responsibility to turn them away and say, no, first you have to have this much experience no, then because come you're to not me. committing to one specific trade or one specific business model you're committing to providing owners of trade businesses the wherewithal and the skill set to run a profitable business with regards to yeah, like universal how they systems. how they yeah universal systems how they manage their business how they plan for their business's time how they book work how they manage their profitability how they manage their employees like these things are across the board going to be extremely valuable to any type of trade business or any, really any service business, in my opinion. It doesn't matter if you know anything about about carpentry, but if you identify that they need to know more about carpentry, you can help them do that. Yeah, you and can and help Amber, them find that, something. I mean, got it. naturally, people start 
at the bottom of something and they work their way up to the top. Actually, if you actually want to know a really good sort of, you know, summary of this is uh, the movie Margin Call. Have you seen that? Oh my God. Yeah, we, Austin, you and I watched this um, in, uh, when, when John left and we did our little hit exercise in uh, in Vancouver, another this is, memory where John is. Anyway, Margin Call is a really good <laughs> movie, and it's about it's about it's about the the it's about Lehman Brothers, and, and you know, and how they basically just unloaded all of their uh, uh, mortgage backed oh, securities onto the market. Shit. Yeah, remember, and do you remember yeah, that, that scene good. with the helicopter where that, he comes in? And he's yeah, yeah. Like, do you remember the guy that meeting? comes in and he does? And he in in, in the first thing he he, he comes CEO. in, he doesn't know any. Yeah, and the only his only job, okay, was to come in there and basically just make the right decision for everyone, okay, and without having, you know, and it's funny because he's like he he's like tell me in plain English, I don't care, you know, he doesn't know how to trade stocks, he doesn't know you know <laughs> no. any of the technical sides, doesn't know anything. All he knows is wait, so we have a pile of steaming shit. Yeah, that we have to and get rid if of. it's on our balance sheets a week from now, we all go bankrupt. Okay, yeah, you need to unload that, yes. right? Doesn't need to know anything else other than that, right? Yes. So now, <laughs> would it help if that guy knew more about the technical side? Probably. Is it required? No. Mm-hmm. But you do need some guy at some point who does. Now, that guy who does understand the technical side, he may in fact be CEO one day. Is yeah. he worse off because he understands the technical side? Probably not. Got it. Okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah, that's that's what I was mostly looking for. It was that question because I was thinking that's about- That's a good scene, by the way. Oh the, my the, dude! The when the helicopter comes in and they're all nervous and like the the, the meeting starts. Amber, I think you showed me the one scene before we watched the movie, and I was yes. like, "Okay, we got to watch this." movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I'm the like, one where they're sitting at dinner, scene. eh? Upstairs. Yeah. Oh no, that's no. after. No, oh, we're talking okay. about the boardroom. No, where Kevin Spacey walks yeah. in. Yo, do we like, have to just the big play the audio of this? Like just no, it's long. It's out of context, minutes. it's not, yeah, it's not oh, a very good shit. scene out of context. But either. if yeah. you got some time and you're chilling, Christmas is coming up and, you know. It's you're, a good you're movie. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch Margin, if you, Margin if, Call. If you liked the big short, but you were hoping for more of like a deep kind of like gritty version, this is it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's also kind of funny. The characters are pretty good. Um, yeah, the, one, the, good the main character from you is in that movie. So yeah. if you feel like you, you'll like that movie. Penn Badgley. Good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Margin. Okay, cool. The crux of my questioning and my series of questioning about this seemingly simple topic was just boiled down to that one question of should I turn away people who mm-hmm. have no experience who want to right. join the program? That was the main thing. Well, I'm glad we had that discussion. Um, yeah, yeah. You guys want to jump into whack versus wise? Yeah, let's do it. So while I was in Austin... There was this song that kept replaying over and over at every bar we explored, and every place we went to, at every goddamn Uber we went in, and it was just blasting in the, uh, uh, in the car. So hilarious! Can't wait. But it's not in English. So this is the first Whack versus Wise not in English, and we're gonna have the English translation. I thought it was gonna be Papa Ute. That's one of my. I like that song. Oh yeah, that's also a good one. Yeah. But that's an old one, man. Holy. Dude, what is this? Yeah. Look at this guy's fucking profile pic. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's swagged out. It looks like he sells crypto. Faruko. Faruko papas. Crypto. Jeez. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this is 
Peppas. Wait, is it English? Because I can't speak Spanish. No, no, no. I have the lyrics in English, but it's Spanish. Oh, okay. I was going to say. Don't worry. Don't worry. John just starts busting out perfect Spanish. All right. Here we go. I can get Trisha in here. Here we go. Here we go. Oh, my God. This guy's definitely selling crypto. This guy looks like DJ Khaled in the weekend had a kid. If only Stoic philosophy had that fluff on it, eh? That nice that beat. <laughs> it's a pretty yeah. damn good song and beat, so very catchy. I don't know. I actually enjoyed it. John, that. that was good. Tell us what's going on here. I mean, I don't know, man. This is <laughs> just sweet things. Okay, I don't care what it said about me. You live your life, that I live mine. That is only one. Enjoy the moment. That. That time is running out and it doesn't turn back. Drinking, smoking, and fucking. I keep hesitating <laughs> from party to Los Dia. Follow him. Oh, 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 Faru. Follow him. Oh, 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 oh. Pipa and water for the dry. To the world in pill at the disco. Peppa and water for the dry. To the world in pill at the disco. Contempt. Stuffing. What a damn note. Rainbow. Fafaru. Raise your hands and bottle them up. Bleep. We always have the movie on. Today we're going li- to give it until daylight. I follow Rula and Toy and mine. The sun came out. Wool. Bring me the hookah and the alcohol and turn it on. Oh, oh. Whoa, oh, oh. This out of control and follow him. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh. And roll the roll in Peppa, Peppa for the dry, to <laughs> the world in pill at the disco, discateo, Peppa and water for the dry, to <laughs> the world in pills at the disco, M pastilla o, far or fa faru, what a damn note, rainbow. I don't care what it said about me. You live your it's life, that I live mine. Dude, I don't know about this. <laughs> I can't even understand what's going on at all. What do you mean? It's... Maybe the translation's just not very good. Yeah, who translated this? No, this is the official translation by That's Google. That's insane. The lyrics provided in English. So, uh... <laughs> what Tell is... me Chino. Yeah. Okay. Tell me Chino. The most winning Victor Canarendez, White Star, Shero Towers, the 167, the 167. <laughs> 
That's insane. <laughs> What's that book that your grandma gives you? What's it called again? The I Ching. The I Ching. This is somebody. This is the uh, the version of you know. Instead of saying "Tell me tell I Ching," tell me Chingo, the tell most me. winning. Victor Canetes, White Star, Shower Towers, the one sixty seven, the one sixty seven. <laughs> Rainbow. Damn, John's dropping mad lyrics right oh, now. Rainbow. Okay. Why is it so we got. Okay, <laughs> so, so we have Fafa Ru. Okay. By the way, versus... how many views? How many views does it say here, Austin? How many views? Oh my God, two hundred and twenty-four million five hundred and thirty-six thousand. Since since when? When did the song drop? Since August sixth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn. Super cool. viral whack alert. Okay, that's crazy. Well, okay, so far, thank far you for bringing versus... us some whack from the south, Emmer. I got you, man. I got yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even the Mexicans have that whack. Okay, <laughs> Farfaru versus Marcus Aurelius. Okay. Oh, and this is the Gregory. This is the Gregory Hayes translation. Beautiful things of any kind are beautiful in themselves and sufficient to themselves. Praise is extraneous. The object of praise remains what it was. No better and no worse. This applies, I think, even to beautiful things in ordinary life, physical objects, artworks. Does anything genuinely beautiful need supplementing? No more than justice does or truth or kindness or humility. Are any of these improved by being praised or damaged by contempt? Is an emerald suddenly flawed if no one admires it or gold or ivory or purple, lyries, knives, flowers, bushes? And what Marcus Aurelius is talking about is actually an investment principle called intrinsic value. Oh, yeah. Such as? That stock what's... price don't matter, baby. John, what is an example of something Four-letter word. There's a lot of intrinsic value. Well, gold. There obviously. you go. Yeah, <laughs> but no. But it's an interesting point, though, right? Because you know, a lot of the buying opportunities that you'll face in your life when it comes to investing are because of praise or because, well, not buying opportunities, but I mean, because right now, like a company like Tesla, for example, is 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 getting tons of praise, and people are buying it because it's getting tons of praise. But does the object of praise actually benefit does it need supplementing right no and right now smith and wesson is getting a lot of contempt right right so when something's getting praised the speculator loves that and they try and pro and they try and profit from the future right that other people at a later date will praise it more than they you know whereas the investor looks for things that people hold in contempt that the underlying fundamentals are actually still perfect like isn't that you know, like literally emerald, in short yeah. warren buffett's investing strategy basically yeah like you know is is an emerald suddenly flawed if no one admires it right just because no one actually wants to buy smith and wesson right now does that actually affect my evaluation no mm. right yeah right if i if i had some money saved up i would load up on smith and wesson to be honest based on our conversation think about, think about this and, and right a little now, bit more research Think about this right now. Just just think about this, you know, because revenue is effectively revenue. Not sorry, not not revenue. Free cash flow is free cash flow. Like like Austin, if I was to just tell you that you were going to get a dividend check from an anonymous company, 
would you care, okay, <laughs> like the money that hits your bank account versus one anonymous company versus another anonymous company, do you actually care which? <laughs> who pays that check? dollar amounts are the same. Yeah, do you care who? No, money is money, right? For the most part, I mean, obviously you don't want to do things illegal, okay? But free cash flow is free cash flow, right? Now, would you be willing to pay more for free cash flow that's growing than you know one that's declining okay fine you can get into some of that but nonetheless right now for every dollar that you're investing into um tesla you're getting roughly um a, a third of a penny in free cash flow currently now oh, is wow. that going to grow over time totally okay totally going to grow okay um but for that same and that's that's their current free cash flow as in like today, okay? Um, but for Smith & Wesson, you'll get 8.5 cents for every dollar based on their 10-year average. And if you use their current free cash flow, you'll be getting $32. Or sorry, 32 cents for every dollar that you invest. Yeah, that's just insane. That's fucking nuts. Yeah. Same dollar in, different amount back. Boom. So would you rather that or some more, uh... <laughs> oh dear, Chino. Tesla's the whack of the stock world. <laughs> a little bit. Ooh. A little bit. What if Elon Musk is just a listener? And he's like, you, that we was just it. lost Elon. I was just listener. about Hold to on. email T Austin. I don't think the, I think the company is amazing. No, I think the company is amazing. Elon actually agrees with me. Yeah, yeah, no, I know that. He did. Do you know how tweet. I know he? Do you know how I know he agrees with me? Let's just quickly take a peek here, just because I want to actually say some accurate numbers. He did actually mention it in an interview, and then after that, oh no, the, many times the, he's, the, yeah. the stock dropped like ten percent, but then it went back up. Yeah, many times. He's like, none of this makes quickly. any sense. Let's go just quickly take a peek at Tesla here, just because I don't want to be wrong. Okay, over the last five years, they've issued. So yeah, so their stock base has gone up. So they've issued close to 30% more shares over the last five years. So diluting, company, isn't that diluting? It's dilution, yeah. So when a company issues shares, they're not doing it because they think their shares are undervalued. You would never, you would, so, okay. Mm. Like when you're trying to invest, you know, you're trying to buy a future stream of cash flows from now until in perpetuity, discounted back to the present at some sort of discount rate, okay? And then whatever that amount is, you're trying to buy that for less mm -hmm. than what you're buying now, okay? Because obviously, you ideally, you don't want to buy a dollar for a dollar five. You want to buy a dollar for maybe 60 cents, you know, or you want to buy a dollar for 90 cents or whatever, right? Yes. Okay? Um, so if a company thought that their intrinsic value was lower okay than their stock you would issue more shares because you're saying you guys can you can buy this i don't care right because we're actually you're giving us a dollar 20 for what we think is a a, a dollar right yeah it's like another so, way to make money in your business now the other thing is that we, obviously when you issue shares you dilute you dilute your current owners okay which Obviously, Elon being the largest shareholder, you wouldn't dilute yourself if you thought you were giving away 40 cents on the dollar of intrinsic mm. value, okay? No, you would hold. You would bring on debt. So the, the downside to bringing on debt is that, of, 
is that of course you have debt, you have to pay, you have to debt service it. But the downside to, but then you don't give up any equity versus if you give up equity, of course you don't have to bring on debt. Now, on the opposite side of the spectrum, what do you think it says sometimes? I mean, there's, there's a lot of manipulation going on, but you could also buy back your shares. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if I'm willing to buy my own company, what do you think that says about it? It's, right? it's probably a, it's probably undervalued. Mm-hmm. Not, not probably, because I mean, the, you know, everyone has different they, measures the, the of return. The owners think yeah. it's undervalued. Yeah, the well, owners Don't you mean overvalued? No, if, if if they're buying their own stock, it means they. Oh, if they're buying their back. own stock, yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah, back, okay. yes. Yeah. But if you do everything Tesla's doing, it's because they think they're overvalued. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I sold like half of I own Tesla stock. I I luckily bought it a long time ago, and uh, and I sold half of it this year because I felt the same thing. I was like, well, you know what's funny. The guy from the big from the big short shorted Tesla. Money, didn't he? Yeah, didn't he? You know, he lost a lot of money. I think he, he exited his position. He exited his position because yeah. it just still didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. That's how illogical it's supposed to go down. One of the smart Michael Burry, and he was like, "This is just not making any sense. I'm gonna go play with another fish." Wow. You know. So man, the big short. What a great movie. What a great movie. Yeah, Probably I think I watched time. that movie like three times. And if you go on YouTube, there's every clip of that movie on YouTube. So you can just click that. Line. I've gone it, through No, but you know what's funny though? It, the movie is so good that every scene is actually a it's scene amazing. worth seeing. You know? I know. Like, that's, yes. I know. Like that movie, it's almost like that whole, that movie is like to me, like the business porn uh, version of like Key and Peele for comedy. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, the, the yeah. scene where that guy at dinner is is explaining to him what a CTO oh. is with the with oh. and he's eating sushi and he's oh, like, yeah. so you're selling dog shit and I'm selling dog shit wrapped in cat shit, <laughs> and he's like, yep, pretty much, <laughs> you know, and he's like super chill, just like he's like, let's play a game, ch- who's worth more? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you, yeah, are disgusting. Yeah. yeah. Have you seen yeah. him? This is my quant. Do you notice mm. anything special? <laughs> He's Asian. He came first place. I actually came third. That's hilarious, man. Or the scene when he stands up in the middle of the Mortgage Brokers Association and... <laughs> oh, and just, excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah. yeah I, Steve Carell was really well casted for that, yeah. even though oh, you didn't see perfect. it coming, right? Because he's not like usually that character, but... Did you guys watch uh, Uncut Gems? Yes, man. Oh, Adam yeah. Sandler. What I hated a good that movie. What, it was so stressful. It was stressful. Dude, so stressful. Also, the Oof. ending I wasn't happy with. I, I. It was so fitting. It was fitting. It was fitting. I just wasn't happy He's with so the, lucky. It, it was, was such so a lucky. shock. Yeah, it yeah, was it a was shock. Like, but Adam real. Sandler did an amazing job in that movie. I was blown away by the ability of him to play that other role. Yeah. I might actually watch that again tonight. Fuck. Dude, do you know the guys that wrote that script? wrote it like 15 years ago and have been trying for like 15 years to get Adam Sandler to play in that movie. You're joking. And Look he finally it up. caved. And and finally, after all these years, he actually took them seriously because people, they like they would go to Adam Sandler's people and be like, like, we want Adam Sandler to do this. And like 15 years ago, he was only known for like goofy movies, nothing oh, serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so finally, whenever when Adam got his hands on it, he was like, yo, like this is actually like sick. And so they... They did it, and then now they're like very famous. Now, don't quote me on the fifteen years. I just know it was a very, very long time. 
that they have been trying to create the script and they created it when they were in university just for him. And it's just been sitting there that they've been trying it's to a, sell it's it. It's a to good him. movie. My favorite part movie. of that movie is how the guy he owes money to the whole time is his brother in law. Like and, and and that's not a spoiler, by the way. Like that you Well, find we did that spoil it. <laughs> we just spoiled it. No, we no, didn't. No, we didn't say what happens you, at the end. You find it out in the first five minutes of the movie that he he owes money to his brother in law. And Amber always said we didn't like the ending. We didn't. We didn't. I was just happened. saying I love the dynamic of like the 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 family, oh, okay, okay, like the Jewish yeah, okay, family cool, dinners. Cool. You know, like, cool, cool. and he's like he owes money to his brother in law. That's funny. Yeah, watch watch the movie. Add it. Do a marathon. Yeah, the margin call when he get, when and he, then when, when his, like his his like <laughs> was it his brother in law or was it his father in law? Like, he gets him to like you know fuck up that. Yeah, yeah know? but he but he, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. he sewers him. <laughs> Yeah, totally serious. This is just too yeah. deep. This is just, this is too yeah. deep here. Yeah, Literally, I, my stepdad is like an exact image of that guy. Like no. to a T. And he, dude, 100%. And like even my stepdad would even admit it. Like when he watched that movie, he was like, fuck, that's me. Like it's so Which crazy. character? <laughs> Adam Sandler? Adam Sandler. Oh my God. That's like I would, I literally wouldn't actually be surprised. Man. Like low key if, if it end in oh. the same way like it's so crazy it's wow. so crazy how similar it was the whole time i was watching it like because trisha's like sweating bullets and i'm just sitting there like yeah i've lived through this <laughs> like oh yeah that's my dad yeah, like that's, that's my stepdad like here. literally like my mom watched it too and like, there's you know that scene when like he's like looking at his wife and and like you know kind of like trying to get those like sit you know right literally i've seen that happen like transpire in real life oh and i've seen my mom have the same reaction like literally like literally that scene i was like holy fuck my mom kind of even looks like his wife. Like it was, you know, and my, my stepdad looks like. Yeah, That's so crazy. Yeah. Does your stepdad wear a ring on his pinky? Um, no, but but if you saw everything else about it, you know, yeah. Okay, got it. Okay, cool. What are you guys up to for the rest of the week? I'm going to go out and see my grandparents. Oh, let's go. Yo, can we yeah. have your grandma on the podcast? Is that even a There's remote? basically no chance. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, well, go absorb knowledge and then pass it on to us. I've got a yeah, busy week. Yeah, I'll pass week. it on to you guys. Um, what about you, Austin? Busy week, selling, producing, and defending my thesis next week, actually, on Tuesday. Oof. So Oof. I'm preparing for that. Wait, so in like a couple podcasts from now, you could have a master's degree? Yeah. Dude, that's so wild. He's close. Very in the close. background of all of this, I master's know. degree. It's been a ride. I'm very excited to be done. Um, but having said that, you boys getting tired. You can see my eyes just falling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta go. It's it's deep. It's nine forty six for yeah, Mr. Trudeau. Uh, you know, shout out to my sh- shout out to the listeners that go to bed at 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 nine thirty p.m. like me. You know, full night's sleep. Yeah, I love it. If you're team 9.30 a.m., let me know. I feel like an old man knowing that. I, I, I feel like I do this alone, but we'll see. Oh. Um, all right, guys. We'll see you next week. Peace out. Ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Jesus Christ. He did it. Hey, listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. As usual, you can find us on Instagram at the Weekly Call Pod or through email at theweeklycallpod at gmail.com for any questions or comments about any of our material. And just to kind of pick our brain or even challenge us on a few things we said today. The intro and outro music was brought to you today by William Scott Thompson. You can find him on Spotify under that name. He has a lot of other great material on there that you can go listen to as well. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, guys. We'll see you soon.